0: We receive a small percentage of however much you pay for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadasa's excellent talks. I just have a question. How did you ever have the courage uh, at such a young age to take off for India?
1: I got my courage from depression. Everything was so messed up in my life. Uh, I was in such a bad, unhappy space. And, you know, I had been reading books... There was like three or four books about this shit, you know, at that time. One was Zen and Japanese Culture. One was, the, I think, the Complete Illustrated Book of Yoga or Yoga for Health. Uh, there was uh, The Gospel of Ramakrishna, Autobiography of a Yogi. I don't even know. There was about, you know, that's about what I knew in the 60s. There were a few other books. But, um, but you know, they were books. They were nice, but they were books. And I, you didn't really know if it was true, if it could be true or not. It's books. Then I met Ramdas, who had been in India, and met our Guru Nimkaroli Baba, and he came back to America. And through a series of events that I write about in my book, I met him. And when I walked into the room with him, uh, without a word being spoken, I knew that whatever it was I was looking for. Was real. It existed. You could find it. It was real. And then it was just a question of time till I went to be with the old man in India. See, but that's one thing I don't know if you guys kind of get. This shit is real. Can you understand that? This is real. There's somebody in there and it's you. We're all out here doing all this stuff, living our lives, running around, taking the kids here, taking the kids there, going to soccer again, going to movies, smoking dope, doing all the shit we do. And we're not paying any attention to what's in there because it's real. All these practices are taking you to here, to yourself, to your true being, which is absolutely real. What's looking out of your eyes right now, right this second, okay? Everybody's looking and you're seeing stuff, the stuff is not real. The looking is real. That's advanced course. But still, I walked in the room, and I knew it was real, and then I had to go. And when I went, I was never coming back. I gave everything away. I sold my car, gave my jeans away, sold my record collection, everything. I was never coming back to the West. I was finished with the West. And after two and a half years, Maharaji looked at me and said, "Okay, go home. What do you mean, go home? Go home. You have attachment there. You have to go. Bye. Just like that. And here I am. If he hadn't sent me home, I would have died in India. I was really sick. People always ask me, oh, should I go to India? Yeah, yeah. If you want dysentery, go. (laughs) It's really good for you. Mafkiji, my friends. But here's a hey. What are you going to India for? You don't know how to get down the street without breaking your foot. (laughs) Let's learn how to live instead of going somewhere and getting sick and trying to figure out, find something that only exists within you in the first place. What's the sense? But if you're called, then go. Follow your call. You gotta follow your heart. Don't follow your mind. There's a difference, and you have to find out what that difference is. That's the whole work of your life. Finding out the difference between what's in your heart and what the idiot thoughts that are going through our heads is a big difference. Hi. Hi.
0: I was, um, I was just telling my friends in the, when we were in the cafeteria about how when I saw your movie um, and I saw you in front of like a yellow wall in a temple, I felt that call to go to India, it's mm-hmm. so like you were sitting.
1: Is Um, there dirt on the wall you need to clean up?
0: (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So I have questions about going to India. I haven't done a lot of research, but I've felt like that's the next place to go. So do you have any advice about, um, obviously I want to go to Neem Karoli Baba-ish travel tour of India. Mm -hmm. Um, So just any advice?
1: Well, it's easy to find out where his temples are. You know, You can look online. Different times a year, they're more available. Uh, most of the temples, you can't stay in the temples anymore. What about
0: the um, the Himalayas? Like to to be to get, I don't know. I feel the mountains themselves. Like I look at pictures of the mountains, and I'm like, I want to.
1: Sure, it's to be not. Absorbed, you're not looking at the Alps.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: Nice, comfortable guest houses in the Alps with running water and heat. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Don't drink the water. That's the first thing. Now, you can get very sick in India very quick. You have to be able to pay attention to that. You have to take some medicine with you. And you need to... uh, You should travel with somebody. You shouldn't travel alone. Um... You should kind of have a goal where you're headed. Because usually when you get someplace and hang around, you meet other people who are going other places, and they kind of, you know, you start bouncing around, and that's a good thing. But, uh, yeah. That's all. You know, do some research. Uh, The temple in Kenshi is open from um, April or May until October. That's the temple I lived in. There's a temple in Rishikesh that's available all year round. Uh, there's a temple in Brindavan, on the Parikramamag Hanuman Temple, which is open all year round. I don't know if you can stay there or not, but you can certainly visit during the day. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Aloha. Aloha.
0: Thank you for being here. My question is about obsessive love.
1: Obsessive love? Yes. Yeah, it's great, isn't it?
0: (laughs) I don't know, is it? It
1: hurts. (laughs) It hurts so much, but it's so great.
0: Yeah, so what's the solution about obsessive love?
1: Non-obsessive love.
0: And how do you do that?
1: You find who you are. You find the love inside you. You know, I was once very much in love with somebody and I told my Indian father, Mr. Tuwari, who was my best friend in the world. And I said to him, Baba, baba, blah blah, 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 and he listened very impatiently. You know, I was telling how much I was in love with this woman and how great it was. Ah. And as soon as I finished, he said, My boy, he said, relationships are business. He said, do your business. He said, do your business. Enjoy. He didn't say don't do business. He said, do your business. He said, but love, love is what lasts 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Love is who we are. See, this is a word with many meanings, okay? Unless we could call it unconditional love, real love. is love that is always here because we're made out of that. But because of our training, we try to find it outside of ourselves, because we need somebody to push our buttons that make us feel good, right? So then we feel good. We're in love until they don't push those buttons anymore. For some, and they go push somebody else's buttons, then it feels miserable. <laughs> then what do you do? You mope around for a while until you find somebody else to push that button, and then that works for a while, and then you know, then you start pushing somebody else's buttons, and that person feels miserable. That's called business. Love is not relational. Real love is who we are. We're never outside of that. You could call it presence. You could call it being. You could call it truth. You could call it peace. You know? You could call it this moment. We're never away from love, but we're faced away from it. We're taught to look outside of ourselves. And we've equated love with pleasure. And in obsessive love with pain. All right? And so we suffer. Simple. It's not easy to change those programs because those programs have been running for a long time. You know, our parents probably had the same programs and we just absorbed them. My theory is that the way our parents saw themselves, the way they treated themselves, has a lot to do with the way we treat ourselves. It's not so much how they saw us, but it's all the times they saw us when we weren't, like, interacting with them, or we just sitting there yelling at somebody on the phone, or treating our partner poorly, or moping around, or reading books and not communicating. They get lots of messages about who we all are in those moments. Even if we put the book down and give them love, and they like that, they still saw what was happening two hours before, the whole two hours before that. They are always seeing everything. And that affects very much the way, the shape that they take in life. I'm very much a product of my mother and father emotionally. Even today, I see those programs running. And to be honest with you, they don't run as much as they used to, so I'm a lot happier. But I'm also a lot older, and so I don't know what it is, whether it's wisdom or just being old. But a lot of the shit that used to bother me doesn't bother me the same way. But I've also done a lot of work on this, too. I've been doing practices for 45 years. I've been therapy, counseling. All kinds of stuff. Anything that will give me an edge, anything that will help me, that I feel will help me, I'm going to do it. Because I need help. No question about it. And I'm not shy and I'm not humble about it. I mean, I'm not prideful about that. I need help. Everybody needs help. We all need help. How are we going to get that help? We have to ask for it. So, you can do what you want. And I'm going to do what I want. And we'll see who gets happier first. (laughs) See, that's the point. Happiness is not, out. you know, this just kind of, as human beings, we kind of have this funny unconscious thing going on that we think happiness is in a limited quantity, like food. And if somebody's got a lot of it, it means there's less for me. And we can't stand to see somebody really happy especially like somebody who's been really bad to us in our lives and they're really happy and they seem to be getting everything they want in life. That's the time to practice spontaneous joy, which is simply learning to, allowing yourself to be happy because another person's happy. This is hard. It's hard because of our stuff. You know... It's very hard. But remember, Tuar told me, he said, do your business. You can't not do business. We're all business people. Because we all think love is going to come from something outside of us. We all think happiness is going to come from something outside. So we've got to do business to get it. I've got to give you what you want in order to get what I want. Right? That's the way it works. That's the way business works. It's an exchange. But love is just as equally in me as it is in you. There's no trading off love. There's no giving love. You don't fall in it. You don't fall out of it. It's, it's our own nature. It's who we are. And through doing practices, we get an inner strength and we begin to get an inner confidence that allows us to deal with life in a new way, to deal with this moment in a new way. We have choices how we live in this moment. Are we gonna react the same way we've always been reacting with these knee jerk reactions that wind up sending off waves in all directions and then they come back in this direction, you know? Or are we gonna exercise our right to vote? We have an innate right to vote about our lives every second. But we've, we've forgotten that. The government has taken has, didn't, put a, didn't let us know we have that vote. The government of our families and the culture, they don't tell us we have a vote. They tell us we're victims. This is who you are. This is what you have to deal with, and that's the way it is, and there's no way out. And we believe that. When I walked into Ram Dass's room, I knew there was a way out, a way in. Something else that was real. That changed my life. So how do we get to that moment, right? You start by being in this moment as best you can. You start by trying to clean up your life. Get rid of the shit that's not working what you can get rid of, and what's not working that you can't get rid of, try to find a way to make it work. Whatever it takes. It's your life. If you don't work on it and work with it, what's going to happen? Nothing. Same old stuff every day. So at some point, it's going to be enough, or it's going to be too much. My father used to say, enough is too much. So at some point, you're going to want to work on it, some part of it. It'll just happen. You'll just just wake up one day and say, I cannot take this anymore. This has to change. So then what's going to change? Then you have to find out what it is, what you want to change, and how you want to change it, and how you want to work with it. Those moments arising, they arise from the inside. Nobody tells you, this is too much, you have to work on it. Who are you? Mind your own business. No, you wake up in the morning and it's too much. That came from inside. Or some situation just winds up, you go, ah, this, you know what, I've been, I've been doing this for 30 years and it's just not working. What, what is this about? Why is this not working? What am I going to do about this? That's the beginning of really becoming conscious. That's a good moment, even though it's a very painful moment. The easiest thing is just to say, ah, well, fuck it. I'll go do something else. And then you leave this unprocessed, like a a, a marriage. You just can't walk off and leave your kids and your wife and start another life like my grandfather. My grandfather. One day, my father was walking down the street in New York City. And he sees his father, my grandfather, walking towards him with with a, a woman who is not my grandmother. So they meet and uh my father says hi dad and the woman says my father's name was Murray, right? The woman says you must be Murray. Ah oh, yeah. How are you? And you know I forget if she introduced herself and I said, "Oh, how are you? I've heard all about you and well, after a couple of minutes, they went their own ways. As soon as he could, my father gets my grandfather on the phone and says, "Dad, what was that?" And my grandfather told him for for thirty years, he had another he had a girlfriend, with another apartment, another closet full of clothes, a whole other life that no one knew about. Thirty years, while he's living with my grandmother and my in the same house as my uncle and my cousin and. He's got a whole other thing going on. Nobody knew. Oh, dear, um. <laughs> this is not that unusual, actually. I mean, the extent is pretty unique, I think. But, you know, so... And then, I, believe it or not, the next year I met him in, in the same place, with the same woman, she knew all about me, because all he did was talk about the family, and she never, obviously never met us, could never meet us. And he had nothing else to talk about, so all he did was talk about the family. So she knew everything about us. So my grandfather, you know, was that positive? He was pushed to that situation. By, the way, by his own set of experiences. He didn't feel he had a pos- a, 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 an open and positive way to deal with the situation in life. So he went off and did this thing, this secret thing, had this secret life going on. I'm not judging him. I'm just recognizing how hard that is. This is a lot, it takes a lot of energy to have two lives going on. No, she wasn't very young. She wasn't very young. It wasn't like a younger woman thing. It was just another woman thing. So, you know, and my grandfather, you know, that, that had to be very painful. Soon he had to actually, because of his diabetes, he had to move to Florida, and he was unable to come up to New York, and he had to break up with this woman. You know, and what did he leave it with? Nothing—a a closet full of clothes—and and that's it. Next over, and then he was stuck in the Jewish ghetto down in uh, Miami Beach <laughs> with my grandmother, <laughs> who by this time had heard about everything. Not fun. Not fun. So our choices really are, you know, the choices we make in our lives, they you can't just make a choice and think not, you're not gonna have to deal with the, the the results of that choice. So, you know, I my grandfather was doing the best he can he could under the circumstances. He didn't have any tools to deal with this stuff. He hadn't had no self awareness, he had no self uh What's the word? Anyway, he, he, he wasn't aware of, of, of these kind of issues inside himself. He didn't know how to deal with himself. So he did what he had to do. And he caused a lot of suffering. A lot of suffering for himself, my grandmother, for my uncle, and my aunt, and my cousin. and A lot of suffering. And he died a very angry guy. Although in some ways he was very joyous in his life. He got a lot of joy from music. He was a Hank Williams freak. (laughs) This little old Jewish guy used to listen to Hank Williams. Insane. But he died angry and frustrated and very, very unhappy. And that's not a requirement, you know. It's not a requirement. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. The more we live in this moment fully, the more we'll live in every moment fully, even the moment that happens to be the last moment of this life. It might be difficult. But if we start dealing with things in a certain way now, the new moments that come, every moment, which will always be now, we'll be developing our ability to be present in the moment, to make choices, to have a vote. But you, you have to start somewhere. Now, on the other hand, everybody coming to a, a workshop like this, although I thought I can bet 90% of you wish you were somewhere else now, uh, this is the first step. This is not a first step. This is isn't this is part of the process that's going on in all of you of trying to find out who you are, what life is about, and how to live in a good way in this world. Although you wouldn't be here. There's other things to do. Maybe. It's Orlando. If it was New York. There's lots of things to do. Just kidding. So there's other things to do. There's always other choices to make, and we all made choices to come here for our reasons, our own personal reasons today. And we're all going to be, we're all in this moment, and this moment will have an effect on the next moment. So I'm just trying to give it to you as straight as I can, because I've been lucky in the sense that I've been with with elders and people uh, that that have some understanding, and they've given it to me as straight as I could take it, and so with that information you can make choices. that's all it, it might Help us deal with the stuff. You know, everybody's got difficult stuff to deal with. And it, sometimes it gets more difficult, sometimes it's less difficult. How do we deal with those situations without being wiped out? That's what we need to find out. Because we can. It's not required that we be wiped out. Thank you for listening to the Das Pilgrim Heart
0: Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases thank you namaste